Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey with Anthony Broom. This is take two. So we're going to lay out what's going to happen here. We recorded just before Jim Harbaugh releases a statement on some of the NFL rumors that came out. We will leave that part in. A lot of it still stands, but we're going to react right now and read off of this statement uh, from Jim Harbaugh. So we're going to pull it up for the people on YouTube. You can read this on your screen. Jim Harbaugh says in a statement, quote, I am aware of the rumors and speculation over the last few days. College and NFL teams have great interest in all of our personnel, from players to coaches to staff. And I truly believe that is a testament to the strength of our University of Michigan football program. As I stated in December, while no one knows what the future holds, I expect that I will be enthusiastically coaching Michigan in 2023. I have spoken with President Santa Ono and Athletic Director Ward Manuel and appreciate their support of me and our program. Our mission as Wolverines continues, and we are preparing for the 2023 season with great passion and enthusiasm. As our legendary coach Bo Scheinbeckler said, those who stay will be champions. That is Jim Harbaugh's statement. Of course, a little bit noncommittal there, Anthony. Um, it is a statement nonetheless. We talk later on in the podcast about how you know this could drag on like last season already. It's not the same uh, because we didn't get any word from Jim Harbaugh a year ago at this time about some of the same rumors right now saying he expects to be at Michigan. Uh, well, no one knows the future. I think that's just going to be a caveat he says before he says anything now. <laughs> it's kind of part of his repertoire. Uh, your reaction to this? I mean, yeah, he's been using, he's been qualifying everything from no man knows the future from, uh, you know, injury updates and press conferences to his status as Michigan's head coach to maybe his Starbucks order. I don't know. Um, you know, vanilla sweet cream cold brew is what he would usually get, but no man knows the future. So Jim Harbaugh drinking that. I can't picture that at all. <laughs> um, no, I'm projecting there. That's one of my favorites. Uh, anywho. Yeah, it is in terms of a statement. And again, People will hear what we had to say on the saga a little bit later from our earlier recording, but I don't know that anything that we did say in that uh, really dates itself much. So definitely would encourage you to um, stick with us the entire time. But it is a step in the you know I don't it's not it's not a refutation of NFL interest. It's not a confirmation that he's staying at Michigan. It is him basically restating what he said a little over a month ago that. Uh, while no man knows what the future holds, he expects to be at Michigan next year, which the fact that he did put out a statement and the fact that, you know, he publicly says there has been contact with Santa Ono and Ward Manuel kind of leads me to believe that he was probably pushed. A, we we talk about it later in the episode, how he's um, I think he's up skiing at Boyne right now. So uh, there was probably a push from leadership and administration to be like, hey, listen, we can't do this every year. We need some kind of statement some kind of refutation, whatever it is. Um, and this is what they got. So to me, it's, uh, we do know that there are contract negotiations going on behind the scenes. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, you know, no man knows the future, but assuming he's at Michigan in 2023, he's going to have a raise. His assistants will have an, a raise. There will be some um, 
it can't be baked into his contract, but we do know that there's some stuff and some changes coming to the NIL landscape at Michigan. So at the end of the day, this is, uh, I don't know, like this saga is not over until we get that confirmation in our inbox that a, that a contract extension has been signed or raise has been given all that, but um, they needed to, I really do think this time around they needed to say something because they couldn't do four or five weeks again of will he or won't he? And, you know, is he going to sign a contract? What's going on with the contract? Um, this is at least a, again, I don't know that it changes much, but it is, um, it is the first time we've heard from him since the season has ended. So that is, uh, that's him on the record, I suppose. Yeah, I think it'll calm things down, at least for the short term. Um, this may well be the end of it. You know, this may be the way Jim Harbaugh, you know, absolutely says that, that it's not going to happen. But at the same time, he has in the past come out with statements saying, you know, this is total crap. You know, it's jive turkeys that are doing. So he has been stronger about things like this in the past. Of course, that's a few years ago. He was also tweeting, you know, back then, and, you know, it was a little bit different. So I think to me, I'm going to be watching what's next. You know, is there going to be something else that pops up? Does a new team on Black Monday, you know, next Monday reach out to him? And do we start hearing rumblings from the NFL side that he's interested? Uh, you know, we will see. So it's kind of wait and see mode still. Uh, that's why we're going to leave in the rest of the podcast. But also, uh, this is good news. If you're a Michigan fan, this is much better than nothing. Uh, this is not nothing. Um, although he did qualify some of the statements in there. And I will say this too, that those who stay will be champions, him adding that in. Um, I don't think he takes, he takes that lightly either. The fact that he chose to put that in there, um, it, I think speaks, you know, volumes. And again, I'm not saying that there's no chance he leaves, but, uh, I think that, you know, we already talk about it later on, of course, but uh, we, both of us think that he probably will be back. Uh, this certainly uh, raises my confidence level of that. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know that you tug on that particular string of the, the nostalgia, the member berries, uh, if you will, if again, it's none of this is done with ill intent. I don't think he's, he's um, I don't think there's any sort of misdirection or him being on not fully telling the truth about what's going on. Let's, I want to answer the questions real quick about, cause people will naturally say, well, why does he keep qualifying it? Remember again, and this is something that you'll hear us address later on is that, Jim Harbaugh does have representation now. And when you are part of a negotiation, um, you don't necessarily like um, yeah. you don't necessarily like if you just give the the other side the ammo that, hey, listen, I'm coming back. They could say, well, if you're coming back, no matter what, then there's really nothing to negotiate here. So, That's again, the NFL interest is I do think the interest this time around is more from the league than it is Jim Harbaugh. But let's acknowledge that it's just there. And I think the right offer could pull him away if, if he's not exactly feeling the love. So this is still an active negotiation. Everything that we've heard about it is that things are, the temperature has come down the last couple of days. Things are moving in the right direction based on what we know. Um, we'll see what happens from there. But uh, I think that's just kind of the long and the short of where we're at right now. Uh, Michigan, I do think some sort of statement needed to be put out. I think that the heat did need to be turned down a little bit. Um, from, uh, you know, we've even seen it on our message board of people scrambling to find the emails of the athletic department and the president's office. Like, I think they needed to just calm people down just a little bit and let the let the process play itself out. But, uh, you know, Black Monday coming in the NFL, 
There will be more jobs that open up. I'm sure there will be more reported interest. Um, it would behoove Michigan if they're truly in a negotiation right now to, um, to, I think, to just get this done and wrapped up with so we can move forward here and talk about a, a, a team and heading into an offseason that I think um, can improve in a lot of ways, which is scary to think about, but that's the reality where this program is at right now. We're going to leave it there for now. For those people watching on YouTube, make sure to like the video and subscribe for one. But also, you may notice that I got a haircut in between uh, you know, our earlier <laughs> recording and now. So uh, that happened as well. That, that was not the breaking news, though, that we jumped on for. Uh, thanks for watching and uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Anthony, we are, what, five days removed from Michigan's 2022 season. Uh, how are you feeling about things here a few days out? Um. It's a loaded question, right? I yeah. mean, you, you, I think with the benefit of hindsight now, I think we could all sit here and call it a missed opportunity. I think one stop here or one less mistake there, uh, we're probably getting on a plane to LA either today or tomorrow. And that's not happening now. And TCU, credit to them, found a way to win the game. Um, really just an impressive you know, every time there was a moment in that second half where you're like, all right, here comes Michigan's second half team. TCU had a response for it. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, impressive on their part as well. Um, you know, I don't think that Michigan overlooked them. I just don't think they played a very good football game. They beat themselves and kind of what the recipe was going to be coming into that game is that you're the Michigan is the better football team, but if they beat themselves, uh, anything can happen. And, it was the most out of left field performance in that regard of, you know, two pick sixes from JJ McCarthy, you fumble on the goal line. You have a couple other missed opportunities when your defense can't get off the field. It was, it was frustrating. And, you know, the further we get away from it, the more there's this realization of that, you know, it is so hard to win. You know, it's so hard to make the playoff in general. I think because it was so casually and clinically dominant for this Michigan team throughout the year, I think people kind of took for granted how hard it is to do what they did this year. And that's, you know, if you want to call that a silver lining, fine. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is now they've been to the playoff twice and are 0-2. And this was obviously much more competitive than last year's game. But those those bowl, um, the bowl, the postseason stuff, I know this isn't the same as what a Peach Bowl in 2018 was, where you had guys opt out. Or, you know, 2016, where Jabril Peppers doesn't play. Jake Butt goes down. But... Uh, the end result is the end result. Uh, whatever you want to blame for what that loss was, it was a squandered opportunity. And it, it bothers it bothers me. It should bother fans that I, I think that Michigan kind of shot itself in the foot in, to me, what feels like the most winnable college playoff there's ever been. So it's frustrating. I think that time will be um, – you know, there's, it's going to sink. You know, It hasn't quite sunk in yet. There's going to be some time that it takes to kind of uh, for people to absorb this. And obviously you know, we don't even get to new year's day without there being Jim Harbaugh rumors and some of that drummed up yearly drama. So it's the, the dust hasn't quite settled yet. There's a lot to still sort of sort out in terms of there will probably be more guys that go into the transfer portal. There will, there will be guys that declare for the NFL. Um, but yeah, a uh, great season. Um, Arguably one of the top, maybe three or four seasons, top two, top three, whatever you want to put it in Michigan history. They'd never won that many games before. And it's so hard to go undefeated now, but it could have been so much more. And that, that doesn't, 
that doesn't sit right. And the, the good news is that much of this team will be back. We think, uh, we think, I was about to say, we think the head coach will be back, but it's been kind of crazy on that front too. But yeah, just a missed opportunity. And, uh, that's a bummer. Uh, it's one of those one of those losses to where I think a lot of fans probably even had issue, you know, trouble even turning on the game that came on afterwards. So, yeah, a rough, rough, rough day at the office at the worst possible time. Yeah, I think going back to what you said about, you know, it's hard to pinpoint, and it's really actually impossible to pinpoint, you know, why they lost this game or why they didn't play super well in this game. Uh, you know, you have people saying, "Oh, well." You know, did they not do enough fun things throughout the week, you know, when they got down to Arizona? Because from what we heard and J.J. McCarthy saying that it was basically the scout team that was sent out on some of these, you know, excursions to top golf and places like that. Or was it, um, you know, is it just this bull trend that Jim Harbaugh has? No, you can never know things like that. But the fact of the matter is, as you said, I mean, they did things to shoot themselves in the foot. I credit TCU for playing a really good game. I thought. You know, the way they stopped the run and the way they run the ball or ran the ball was really fantastic. I mean, 13 of Donovan Edwards, 23 runs went for three yards or less. He was stopped for, uh, I believe, six plays of either no gain or negative yardage. They had 13 tackles for loss on the entire game. So this wasn't all Michigan shooting itself in the foot. But man, if you look at some of those plays, two pick sixes, again, maybe a pick and then they score anyway on that drive, but there's probabilities there. You know, there's a good chance you stop them anyway. And then fumbling at the one on first and goal, uh, you know, take the the uh, Philly special out of it. Um, you know, there was still plenty of opportunities. So those obviously sting. And from a big picture standpoint for me, when I look at this season, and you kind of have to compare it to 2021 in a way because they were similar. You won the Big Ten. It's kind of part of this two-game stretch, or I mean two-season stretch, 28-game span where you went 25 and three, it was obviously a huge success. I mean, if you win the big 10 to me, if you beat Ohio state, it is a successful season. Um, but the end of this one, even though the, the entirety of this season was better, the end stings so much more because when you lost to Georgia 34 to 11 in the orange bowl last year, by the third quarter, I was saying great season, you know, Michigan did a great job. I wasn't saying, you know, there was impossible. They would come back, but you know, you knew that wasn't going to happen. And this time, you're still thinking about interceptions, fumbles, play calls, things like that, defensive lapses, missed tackles on third and seven. Um, so the ending stings more, but it was a better season than 2021. It was something that when we talked to Michigan players going back to last spring, when we first got to talk to them back in February-ish, March, they were saying, we have to take that next step. We want to take that next step. And they kind of did in a way because they beat Michigan State. That was one of their goals. They went undefeated at 13-0, first time in program history to win 13 games. And then you were just ever so close to actually taking that next full step into the national title game. But um, what's the thing, Anthony, that, you know, and of course time will also uh, help this, uh, not only help heal the wounds, but also help our perspective on this season. And the same goes for all the Michigan fans out there. But Maybe what's the the one thing or, or a couple things that um, are going to be maybe that that snapshot when you think of the 2022 season? What's the the picture or or something that, that pops into your head? Well, it's the it's the two the two biggest wins to me were that win against Penn State at home, just a complete destruction of the Nittany Lions, and 
the Ohio State game. I mean, that is one that, you know, it is – they did something they hadn't done in 22 years. They went down to the shoe and won. It had been the first time in, in that long that they had won back-to-back games there. And, you know, to me, that's – again, I'm not going to sit here and, and – I know there are some people that will say, oh, well, you know, this program was founded on beating Ohio State and winning the Big Ten, and that matters more than the college football playoff. I'm going to tap the brakes on that a little bit. I've seen a bit of that, like especially on our message board. But, um, you know, it, it's it's a piece of the puzzle now. I and mean, when you go out and you set those three – or those four goals – beat Ohio state, beat Michigan state, win the big 10, win the national title three of, I mean, those are, you know, they state those ahead of last season and we're sitting here kind of rolling our eyes at it right now. It's, you know, they achieved almost all of them and it just kind of, you know, it reminds me of, you know, back in the, the early to mid nineties where those young up and coming Red Wings teams would have these great regular seasons and then get to the playoffs and, and you kind of have to learn how to win at that level. I mean, Georgia and Alabama didn't just become what, what they were in, you know, the flash of a pan. I mean, it takes, it takes years. It takes some rough losses and look at what Clemson had, had been under Dabo Swinney, um, you know, four or five years ago, you know, sometimes it just takes time to break through. And, you know, the solace that you can take in how that TCU game goes is that, JJ McCarthy will be back next year. And mm-hmm. most of that defense will be back next year. And you know what the crazy thing about it and where I even, you almost even kind of get more excited heading into the off season is that I think in the second half, obviously it was comeback time and it was all hands on deck, but you kind of stumbled upon what I think this offense sort of needs to look like next year in terms of it running through JJ McCarthy, as opposed to, you know, through the running game, which they're always, this Michigan's always going to be a program that wants to to beat your ass up front of both sides of the ball. Uh, they want to they want to run the football. They'll never stop doing that. But you know, when we talk about the poten- the potential loss of a Blake Corum, to me, uh, in the same way that the Corum offense was different from the run game that they ran uh, with Hassan Haskins primarily leading the way last year's, you know, you come back and and it takes a little bit of a different shape. And I think we saw. I mean, the good and bad of J.J. McCarthy. We saw all of it on display, but I think the good that we saw of it, especially you know, during that second-half comeback, was was outstanding. And I mm-hmm. think that that's that was eye-opening to me in that, okay, this is, I think, kind of what we thought it would look like in terms of him being able to run the ball, him just ripping you know, ripping the ball down the field and, and guys making these big plays. And credit to the wide receivers, too, I think for the most part, those guys played one of their better games of the season mm-hmm. as a position group. But um, for me, you look back on this season and it's similar to, you know, at the end of last year, Jim Harbaugh said, it feels like this is the start of something. This season was the continuation of that. And I think that 2023 has the ability to be even more of a continuation of that, where you push this thing forward. And um, to be frank with you, I think they will be better in, in a lot of key areas. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But I mean, it's, you know, for us personally, I mean, I think this is really the the first time that I mean, I think you were at every game this year, Clay. Um, yeah, the, actually, the, the one game I missed was the Maryland home game because of a yeah. wedding, which yeah. is weird to say. Um, and maybe I need to wear this loss too because I had been to every game this year, and then don't go to the Fiesta Bowl and they lose. So, yeah, um, actually, so Michigan's twenty five and three over the last two years. The only game I missed the Rutgers game last year. But I wasn't at Michigan State, I wasn't at the Orange Bowl, and I wasn't at the Fiesta Bowl. So 
I've kind of avoided the sad traveling home, but yeah. um, maybe you can, I can wear that a little bit. I, I won't. I won't do that, by the way. Uh, but yeah, just a, a great year overall, a tremendous year. I mean, think about, I mean, the, la- the, the years that had preceded that, nine and four and 10 and three and eight and five. This is uh, in the COVID year, two and four. This is uh, This is rare territory for them. And I don't think people should lose sight of that. And I also think that the program uh, needs to not needs to finally find a way to build off this momentum and keep pushing this thing forward, which so far not so good on that front to start the 2023, but uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Context matters. Like you should absolutely be disappointed because of how winnable that game was against TCU. Uh, The fact that, you know, you felt like you had a team that could potentially win a national championship game. Um, You know, TCU is a 13 and a half point underdog to Georgia uh, that spread would have been in single digits with with Michigan potentially within a score. Um, you know, don't don't know, but um, you know, so you were right there, and, and you felt like you had that opportunity. So context matters, you, you know, absolutely. But also the context of when we were at Big Ten Media Day in the summer, and you know, Ohio State was a unanimous pick to win the Big Ten for just a second time ever. A team was a unanimous selection by the media. Um, you know, that context matters too, in my opinion, you know, the fact that they did outdo expectations. Um, and I know the expectation here is to always win in, at that level, but I mean, context matters, look at history, look at recent history, it, you know, it doesn't just happen. And, um, so, you know, still an outstanding season in the picture that I'll remember, uh, you know, just kind of that snapshot when you think of 2022, when you think of 2021, it was definitely for me, just like watching the fans rush the field and the, the looks on everybody's faces after the Ohio state win at home. This one was probably planting the flag. Uh, when, when Mike Sainer still and those guys planted that flag at midfield uh, at Ohio state this year on November 26th or last year now, um, you know, and just, just what that looked like, you're right. 22 years had gone by before something like that could happen. Uh, and I think that flag might be in the museum now. So uh, there you go. People will be able to remember that one forever, but uh, great year. We'll obviously be uh, transitioning now to some of the offseason stuff that isn't as fun, Anthony, as we both can agree on that uh, based on uh, talking uh, over the last year because uh, we had to go through it a year ago and we'll see what exactly this is. But transi- transitioning into the Jim Harbaugh stuff where, as you said earlier, I mean, would it half a day go by or, or was it January 2nd where you get an athletic report saying that Jim Harbaugh Someone close to Jim Harbaugh thinks that it would be a done deal if he gets an NFL offer. So there's a lot to kind of go through there. But then you start to realize, and these reports actually came out before that, that NFL teams are not only doing their homework on Jim Harbaugh, but they have him on their short list, uh, particularly the Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers, and then, of course, his ties to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, reportedly been reached out to by both the Broncos and the Panthers. And I feel like if the Colts wanted to, they could maybe do that a little quieter because of some of those deep ties that, that he has. He's in the ring and ring of honor there. So don't know exactly if any conversations have taken place there. And something else we don't know is what those conversations have entailed. Um, you know, what has Jim Harbaugh been saying? Has he ex- been expressing interest? There hasn't been much to come out of exactly that. From the Michigan side of things, there appears to be some optimism that you know they will strike a new deal with him uh, you know they didn't pay him enough apparently last year uh, of course he has another great season so that changes things and then now here we are with uh you know them trying to get him maybe an even bigger deal become one of the top paid coaches in the country which i i 
believe he deserves. Um, where do you feel like things stand at this point? Right now, to me, we're only a few days in. It may not be this the same thing as a year ago where it dragged on and on and on. In hindsight, to me, last January, there wasn't a ton going on. There was Michigan saying, hey, we got a deal for you. Him saying, oh, I like, you know, a pretty good deal. I'm not going to sign it yet because I want to see, you know, what my prospects are in the NFL. I don't think we're at that point where we know for sure that that's what's going to happen here. For all we know, it could end quickly either way. Um, so I, I don't want to place any bets on how long this goes or whatever, but um, it seems like this this could, you know, play out similarly. Hi, this is Jonathan from Lewis Jewelers. If you're in the market for a diamond, we can make the experience easy and stress-free. Not to mention we can save you time and money. As a general manager, one of my roles is to hand-select every diamond that comes into our store. Don't shop alone. Come see me or one of my trusted advisors and find the perfect diamond today. Where Ann Arbor gets engaged, Lewis Jewelers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's important to note when discussing Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, that this is a one of one situation. It is a completely yeah. unique person and a completely unique institution that typically doesn't do business the way that you know, some of these other big time college programs do. Um, I personally, like if you're asking me to take like a gut feel of where this goes, I do think he'll be back at Michigan only because um, it seems like when the buzz is the loudest in one direction, um, especially last year. I mean, the buzz got that loud because he got on a plane on, mind you, it was the late signing day, but on national signing day and interviewed with the Minnesota Vikings. And, um, you know, there is uh leading up to the years leading up to that was kind of like the NFL rumors that cried wolf. Like it was never coming from Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. It always came from NFL media. Um, and it's important to note too, that like when, you know, Mike Florio or Ian Rappaport or Tom Pellicero report something. They don't have the same sources that, uh, you know, that, that we do or that the local beat might or that the college media might. So I've always kind of been uncomfortable with people taking shots at those people because, you know, we're not just these aren't just like Facebook rumors or anything like when the Adam Schefters of the world, when the, the Ian Rappaport's of the world, the Tom Pellicero's of the world report that they're hearing something they're hearing it from nfl sources so that's uh, what makes that's what makes harbaugh so complicated to cover in terms of these remember in 2014 for that whole month you had people in the nfl saying he's not gonna go back to college we can't believe it a little bit of arrogance there in my opinion too where why would anyone want to go back to college yeah but it's like yeah because you're only hearing it from one side uh and he doesn't really talk off the record to anybody so how you know those aren't coming from him. And that's why too, like not to interrupt, but like something I should have mentioned too about my stance on it is you are hearing some of this optimism that I mentioned about from the Michigan side saying, yeah, we're, you know, he's going to get a raise and, you know, we think he's going to sign. We heard that same optimism. I'm not trying to be a doomsday. I also, I actually agree with you. I think he's going to be at Michigan 
this coming fall. But we did hear some of that same optimism in early January last year. He just didn't sign any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really hard to read. But yeah, it, go ahead. Well, part of it, too, is that uh, I think that if there's a sticking point here, uh, let's talk about it from a Michigan perspective, because there are different spheres and pods that we can go into in that, you know, you are I won't say you're experiencing an unprecedented amount of success, but in the modern age of Michigan football, it's been 25 years since you were this good uh, for two years in a row. So to me, if you are the administration and, you know, these are these are like Ward Manuel is a businessman, right? He's run, he's run college athletic departments. Um, the, the Michigan, um, endowment is, is flush with cash. The athletic department is flush with cash. There has to be a realization that in order to keep, we just, we just talked about how you build off this and push forward in order to, I guess, make money, so to speak, or, you know, cultivate and, and grow this, this brand, this culture, this amount of winning, you have to be able to invest, you have to have a willingness to invest in it too. So if, you know, I, if there's, I don't see why there would be any sticking point in making him one of the top, you know, five, six, seven paid head coaches in all of college sports without saying, well, you're going to have to earn it though. You're going to have to go beat Ohio state. You're going to have to go uh, win the big 10 championship. Um, Did he make almost $10 million this year based on incentives? He did, but I, you know, I, it's important to note too that Jim Harbaugh has representation. Now, I believe he's using his brother's agent. So, you know, when we're heading into a an off season where I think it's pretty apparent you got to put a little more money in his pocket. I don't. It's not a hot take. You pay when you're winning at that level. You pay market value for it, and that's ten, eleven, twelve million dollars a year. That's just what the going rate is now. And if you have any interest in, you know. If it's not Jim Harbaugh, you're going to have to go get someone. Your pool shrinks if there's an unwillingness to not pay that out. So um, I do think that it's a little the the loud the loudness is a little bit strategic in terms of oh well the Broncos have reached out the Panthers have reached out um, because he does have an agent and what agents do on behalf of their clients is they negotiate and they I think the Harbaugh uh, camp does kind of come out of a position of power right now, given what they've done over the last two years. So um, it feels like there's a lot of percolating momentum behind the scenes for the new Harbaugh deal, the NIL stuff, um, which would be great for Michigan if they can get that, that sorted out. But, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, if there's any question to pay him what he's worth, and it's not just like, he's not throwing that number out there. We're going by, what guys that even guys at lesser programs, uh, there's one just up the road right now that's making a lot more money as a base than Jim Harbaugh will. Uh, if there's any consternation about that, uh, what are we even doing here? Would be my question. So to me, I think it's, it, it's again, when you're conducting business, you don't just give someone a blank check, but I think this is, uh, this is as close to a blank check argument as it gets for me, honestly. So, uh, there are other people who say it's not about the money and that it's about the itch to come to the NFL. And also a lot of this too is interest coming from the NFL. Jim Harbaugh, I think is up North skiing right now. So he's not, again, I'd love great, to see that by the that's, way. <laughs> that's the great part about having representation too, is that you just kind of get the you know, seasons over, you get to stretch out and put your feet up. It's been a long, you know, 16, 17 weeks, even longer than that. 
for a guy like Jim Harbaugh, who's always just locked into the sport of football. But um, yeah, I think that uh, I, I trust, again, I don't have the, Chris Ballas has most of the intel from our site. I won't claim to know anything. Uh, I've heard some other things from people I trust that money is not going to be an issue and all those types of things. But um, I don't know. I just, I feel, I feel optimistic and I don't know that this, is, this will ever stop being a yearly dalliance Especially when you hear reports that, oh, the Broncos might be willing to give them $20 million a year in full control. I mean, if someone makes you a godfather offer like that, I mean, the, 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 the calculus changes a bit on that. But in the here and the now, um, I'm not getting quite sucked into this saga like I have the last two years. I'm with you. Um, I don't think enough has happened yet either. And I know part of what happened last year was just how far it you know, how long it dragged on for, um, you know, that was something in and of itself really. Right. But um, I agree. And I think to me, Jim Harbaugh hasn't been about the money in, in his past, but I strongly believe he thinks that money and he views money as, you know, kind of a sign of respect. And, you know, even when he didn't, you know, he was very close to taking the job in 2011 here at Michigan and he yeah, wasn't quite feeling the love. And, and that was kind of the quote, where, you know, maybe maybe this isn't the time. And, of course, comes when Jim Hackett does an incredible job in 2014 and, and brings him here. Um, you know, but, yeah, that's an interesting thing. And then there's also something uh, that may be a part of these, quote-unquote, negotiations, which is something that John U. Bacon wrote about just this morning with the fact that there may be something that comes out in terms of a minor NCAA violation from the COVID year, uh, something with Zoom and, and whatnot. Um, in improper contact with the recruit in terms of what they're allowed to uh, or when they're allowed to talk or uh, what they're able to do. Uh, there's some rumblings, you know, behind the scenes, nothing nefarious or anything like that, pretty minor and stuff that happens all around the country and literally nothing compared to what we know goes on around the country with some of the Southern schools, you know, we'll just leave it there. Even some schools that are just a little bit South of here. So to me, uh, but there have been rumblings that that was something, you know, that was discussed also in some of these negotiations as well. Well, let's wait and see what comes of this or whatever uh, from the Michigan side. So we'll see what happens there. Don't have the full picture, but that might be uh, part of the equation as well. Um, yeah. So that's where the Jim Harbaugh thing stands. Uh, kind of maybe those are our thoughts and uh, we will continue to monitor over at the Wolverine.com. No better time to sign up. Of course, the off season around these parts, just as exciting as the season. Not really, not as fun, but uh, let's talk about our friends at prize picks real quick uh, before we move on and talk about Andrell Anthony leaving real quick, and then we'll get to some basketball and get out of here. But uh, there is not a better way to enjoy watching your favorite team than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at prize picks. Prize picks is the simplest form of real money, daily fantasy sports and just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual fan looking to add some excitement to the games, Prize Picks is the perfect game for you. It is the best way to have action on the game in states like Michigan, Kentucky, Alabama, Florida, Texas, Georgia, and over 70% of the United States. Prize Picks is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada, not Ontario. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go more or less than their Prize Picks projection. You can win up to 10 times your money. On any entry, for the people watching on YouTube right now, our producer Hutch has the site pulled up there. You see some of the projections. Uh, 
I went with a little Lions flair this week. I'm going to go, and maybe I'm crazy for doing this, man. And I know the Lions need a win in Lambeau uh, this weekend, but Jared Goff, he hasn't been as good in outdoor venues. There's actually a stat out there on that. He's been much better. Of course, part of that's playing at home in a dome, but I'm going to go more than 257 and a half passing yards. I think he's, you know, he's going to get it done this weekend. And then Aaron Rodgers sitting at a pretty low total of 230 and a half passing yards. I'm actually going to go more than for him too. Um, I think that puts the Lions, you know, somewhere in, in a really close game at the end, and uh, and we'll see what happens there. But AB, what do you got for a, a pick this week? Yeah, I'm going with uh, this one. Will probably uh, won't be as evergreen because game is on Thursday, podcast comes out Thursday. I'm going less than 19 and a half points for Michigan's godson Franz Wagner as the Orlando Magic take on the Memphis Grizzlies on Thursday night. And then I have one for the national title game. I can't help it. I like this guy, even though he's uh, a bit of a boogeyman uh, now for Michigan fans. But Max Duggan, more than 235.5 passing yards in Monday night's game against uh, the Georgia Bulldogs for a national title. And I got to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not going to... I'm not going to go too much into it. I really do think that TCU has more than a puncher's chance to win that football game. So um, I'll be able to get over it by then. Uh, what happened last week? Hopefully it's going to be a great game. I think it will be. Uh, so those are my picks. Max Duggan, more than 235.5 passing yards and Franz Wagner, less than 19 and a half points against the Memphis Grizzlies. Franz Wagner, fresh off of a suspension, him and Mo both uh, suspended. So, uh, and, and Franz having a fantastic season. Um, download the Prize Picks app or visit prizepicks.com. Sign up using the code Wolverine to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. So if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50, and so on. Don't forget that's the Prize Picks app or prizepicks.com and the code Wolverine to claim your bonus today and take the viewing of your team to the next level this season. Um, We'll finish with basketball, but real quick before we do that, uh, Andrew Anthony, Michigan sophomore wide receiver, enters the transfer portal. Uh, he will head somewhere else. He already has offers from Miami and Oklahoma. Miami, of course, where Josh Gaddis is, is on the prowl down there in uh, Miami Gardens, but uh, uh, coordinating that offense, which was not very good this year, maybe needs some help from a familiar face. Um, interesting one. Not a, not a huge shock. Um you know, the Andrew Anthony's moving on just based on, you know, lack of playing time, lack of targets this year. But, you know, I didn't think he was great in, in the time that he was in the game either. Seven catches only on the season, 80 yards. Was actually much better as a freshman, especially against Michigan State, of course. But I think he ends his career with only three, four multi-catch games. Uh, Anthony, you can correct me on that if I'm wrong. So kind of a little more uneventful than we thought it would be after the MSU game a year ago. Uh, but I wish Andrew all the best. He's a great kid. Covered him a little bit as a recruit and uh, really enjoyed talking to him and hope, hope he does well. But uh, th this is interesting for the Michigan wide receiver room, too. You have Ronnie Bell heading to the NFL. You have Cornelius Johnson, who I think has a really big NFL decision to make in terms of from a Michigan standpoint, especially with Andrew gone. A uh, little bit more riding on that. And then you have young guys that could play the outside spots like uh, Darius Clemens or Amorian Walker. Uh, Anthony, you penned a nice column this morning uh, talking about the wide receiver room, where things stand with Andrell gone. But uh, your thoughts on on that and and just Andrell departing the program in general? 
Yeah, feel uniquely connected with him, given that he was my player of the game pick like 10 That's weeks true. in a row, and it never once never once played out that way. Um, yeah, I mean, the question every week was, what's up with Andre Anthony, and why isn't he getting more playing time? And, oh, God, they should bench Cornelius Johnson. Oh, those are all things that I said, by the way, too. Um, it was a source of frustration at times. Uh, other guys, Other guys just played better. Uh, you know, he had opportunities out there, limited opportunities, uh, only caught seven of his 19 targets this season. You know, he was someone where when we were talking about mid season about the deep ball and getting that sorted out a couple of them, it just seemed like he was a, like a fingertip length away from getting his hands on, but didn't make a play. And, you know, I know that there was uh, you know, he's a bit of a folk hero to a certain extent here because he went off against his hometown school, uh, in 2021 uh, when he had that big game at Michigan state, but um, would have been even more of a legend, obviously if Michigan would have found a way to win that game, but it was just a guy that I think there was some frustration there because, you know, when we talked to Ron Bellamy during the off season, uh, or was, I think it was during fall camp. He talked about how he had would bring his guys, bring the wide receivers into his office. And he would have pictures of, you know, Steve Breston and Braylon Edwards and all these guys. And, um, you know, the Braylon Edwards comp was one that was sort of thrown on him. And, you know, he was obviously a good dude. Uh, I have never heard anything but positive things about him in the locker room. It's just, it comes down to opportunity. Uh, you know, he was part of those late night throwing sessions with McCarthy and Edwards last year uh, after some of those primetime games. But, you know, for me, it's just, uh, it creates opportunity. Um, it also, I mean, again, no intel here. I think it's probably good news you know, quote unquote, good news in terms of if a guy like uh, that, a guy like Cornelius Johnson might be back, he can opt in for a fourth year. You've got Roman Wilson there. And then from there, it's a pretty, I mean, it's a pretty wide open room. Uh, I would say start putting stock in those sophomores. Darius Clemens is obviously to me um, almost slides into that Andre role in terms of, all right, this is a guy that he's a young guy, sophomore year, think he can take the leap this year. We'll see what he does with the opportunities he gets. Um, but don't forget about Tyler Morris either. I mean, that is the guy who we talk about Ronnie Bell and how critical that I, I see some Ronnie Bell and Tyler Morris's game. And obviously mm-hmm. former high school teammate of JJ McCarthy. Um, I think him coming off of, I mean, it might truly be one of his first, uh, you know, he was coming off a torn ACL uh, his senior year of high school. So mm-hmm. uh, you'd hope he's fully healthy this offseason. Amorian and Walker, there's still some debate. Is he a wide receiver? Is he a defensive back? I know that he's 6'4", uh, you know, 180, and, and it's fast as hell. And that's another guy that can get open down the field. So you kind of start pushing, pushing the stock over to the sophomores in the class. Uh, I wouldn't rule out a guy like Carmelo English playing early as a true freshman. Um, Samaj Morgan's a guy that I'm – um uh, pretty high on again i don't exactly know where he fits he's kind of in that mike sainer still type of role but uh, you know i'm not it's going to be a big off season for all of these guys but you know with the quarterback that they have and, and i assume that he's going to even take that next step and get better um, I, I hate to say I, I won't say i'm not worried about that position group uh, it's just one less body to answer a question next year and they're not going to turn into the air raid. They're not going to turn into a team that wings wings it around the field for 35, 40 times a game. Uh, but I don't know. I still, I, I kind of like the potential here still. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you bring up some interesting points. So we have a story up as well. 
uh, with Darius Clemens talking about, you know, how he needs to take the next step and, and you know, how the spring is going to be a really big opportunity for him to kind of emerge one of those roles. And we talked to him before the Fiesta Bowl. This is, of course, before Andrell leaves. And, and of course, some uncertainty there with Cornelius Johnson, what he's going to do. Uh, but I agree. I think Darius Clemens is going to be a guy. And there, there will be some of those sophomore leaps um, throughout Michigan history. And I'm going to write something about this in the, in the coming days as well. You look at some of the top wide receivers in Michigan football history, Anthony Carter being an exception. A lot of them were pretty quiet in their freshman seasons. Of course, opportunity is, is a factor there. And just the fact that you're a freshman, you're in your first year of college football, and it's hard at that position at times. Uh, but the sophomore year has been really that big year to make those jumps. Roman Wilson is a guy who I think, um, looking at his snap counts from last season uh, and the year before, so 2021, Roman Wilson took 73% of his snaps out wide, not in the slot. 2022, Roman Wilson takes 9.5% of his snaps out wide. The other 90% were in the slot. So they kind of moved him a little bit. He has the opportunity or you know the potential or the ability to play more outside. That opens up some room for Tyler Morris, who has impressed me. And just the way he moves around there, you're right, like the route running feels a little bit Ronnie Bell, uh, a little similar there. And he remember when Roman Wilson goes out and goes to the locker room for part of the Fiesta Bowl, it's Tyler Morris in there getting some snaps. So I think they really like him. He made the big uh, third in, in, I think, seven catch at Rutgers that was huge to move the sticks. And that game was still in doubt. I talked to Tyler Morris down at the Fiesta Bowl as well, so we'll have a story up with him in the coming days. But some potential, I think, for those sophomores. And Amorian Walker, I think he definitely wants to play wide out, and we'll see. What happens there? We actually talked to him as well. So stay tuned for for some of that. Not to, uh, you know, shamelessly plug here. Uh, plug but I did find this. Oh, go ahead. No, I said plug away. That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, but also this last word on Andrew Anthony uh, Ayako, one of our most respected posters on on the fort, our premium message board at thewolverine.com, what uh, you know kind of created a thread and started a discussion about who are some of the one game legends in Michigan history, football, basketball, the like. And Andrew Anthony, of course, is one of them with that huge performance against MSU in 2021. Um, so, But he joins the likes of, and I thought this was a really good poll, Cam Chapman for his three-point buzzer beater Big Ten tournament in 2016 sends Michigan to the big dance. Um, Spike Albrecht was another guy that people brought up. Some people bringing up Drake Johnson, although I, you know, I thought he had a little bit. Some more uh, good games. Justin Fargus uh, apparently had a very good game back in the early 2000s against Northwestern. Um, Jerome Jackson against Iowa. But I thought that was a good discussion. Uh, and, and interesting, man, to put into context Andrell's career because it did look really promising. I remember sitting up in that press box at Michigan State, and he's kind of going off in that game. And I said to Chris Ballas, our, our coworker, I said, and this is a time, too, when the Michigan wideouts were really struggling that, that year without Ronnie Bell. And I said, who do you think is the best wide receiver on this team? And we were both like, it's Andrew Anthony. I mean, he looks the part. And then here we are, of course, seven catches this year. But, um, so that might be something about my my knowledge or, or evaluations more than anything. But uh, we'll move on from Andrew Anthony. Uh, again, wish him the best. Uh, let's finish with some basketball talk. Michigan hoops. Anthony your alma mater comes in on December 29th and stuns the college basketball world with a win over Michigan 63-61. Pretty much on that night, everyone wrote them off. Um, 
then they come back and beat Maryland a few days later by 35 points. They win by 10 against Penn State. And suddenly you're 3-0 in the Big Ten. All three wins are by double digits, uh, including the, the one against Minnesota in Minneapolis in December. And things look a, a hell of a lot better than they did a you know, week and a half ago. Yeah, crazy. And I'll just say this. I mean, uh, um, what a conflicting what a conflicting set of emotions uh, covering and being at that game. Obviously, for me, um, I have to like I shouldn't say I have to. I have the privilege of having a job where I get to watch Michigan basketball, uh, attend those games at Chrysler Center. And um, it that was bad. That was a really bad effort. Uh, and it was the effort because they just didn't play hard. And I think they were kind of even surprised. Uh, I mean, given, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of CMU basketball this year, but um, if I was scouting that game, I didn't think that CMU was going to play that hard and, and kind of come at them like that. So on one step frustrating because it was just kind of, you know, the most damning thing about that game, Clayton, was that it wasn't, it wasn't surprising that Michigan lost because they had played some of those by games so close. I don't want to say they haven't taken They didn't take them seriously, but um I don't know. That's, that was a bad loss. And to have questions, you know, you, you leave the non-conference without a signature win. Um, they're close, but no cigar to me. I'm sorry. Uh, it's not acceptable for Michigan basketball. It's not, um, you know, it's set up a scenario where now you go into big 10 play and you probably have to win 13 or 14 games in conference to give yourself a chance to win it, to, to make the NCAA tournament. And the good part about this league though, is that every night out is a chance to, add a signature win to your resume. And again, uh, Maryland and Penn state are world beaters, but the biggest difference is that we've seen this team play harder. They've communicated better. Um, as far as, I mean, Maryland was just wire to wire dominance, but Penn state, I mean, that was a game of runs and Penn state had, it. I think they were, they got it down to two 47, 45, or I think it was even tied. And then Michigan yeah. comes back and, fires back with a run of its own and Penn state makes a run at the end of the game and Michigan kind of finishes it out. Um, you know, I think we too, we do overlook at times that it is a very young team that is still kind of learning how to win. And uh, you know, you look at this now, the problem with the non-conference is that, you know, you also probably have to win a game or two somewhere you're not supposed to. I mean, we look at this stretch coming up here. You've got Michigan state on Saturday. You've got Iowa, Northwestern, Maryland, Minnesota, those are all winnable games. And for me, if you want to sit here and say that um, if you want to truly sell to me that this team is, you know, back on the right track and has a shot to make the postseason, you got to go to me. I look at that stretch and I see four and one is what I would probably need to see out of that. You go to Michigan state, you go to Iowa, you go to Maryland. Um, you know, they've lost their margin of error there. And then after that, listen, I mean, right now it looks like, uh, you know, Purdue, Ohio state, Rutgers, you know, you got to win a couple of those that um, that you won't be picked to win to kind of get where you need to be. So, again, um, encouraging signs of life. Uh, it was good to see that, the, you know, uh, when they play like they do at Maryland or against Maryland, it was almost like you like water was going to find it. Like it was there was an aspect of water finding its level where that loss to CMU was so bad that like there was going to be some you know progression to what the mean actually is. The Penn State game was more impressive to me because I think it was a a matchup kind of designed to exploit the things they don't do very well. And I thought that they did play well. And they had that, um, you know, they had a punch and a counter punch. And 
you know, it's good to see coming into a stretch where now you're going to play two games at Breslin Center, which will be nutty as it always is. Uh, Iowa is a tough place to play. Um, yeah, I'd like to, you'd like to see them keep it rolling, but, you know, to go into that game against Michigan State on Saturday, knowing that right now you're playing arguably coming off the two best games you've played all year, uh, it is encouraging to say the least. I hate to put numbers on it like they need to go four and one in a five game stretch because then, I've done that in the past, and then it's like, well, they don't do that, but then they won some games they weren't supposed to. But I agree with you. This stretch coming up is massive because the schedule does get a ton tougher in the back half of the Big Ten. And to get it kind of ahead here, because you already dug yourself into a hole in the Central Michigan game, well, devastating, and really Michigan's first quad four loss since 2010. Uh, So it just shows you how rare that is for this program, which has really done a great job avoiding those losses. Um, that was just one of five non-conference losses. You know, they, they dug themselves into a hole already. Don't do that again, starting in the big 10 season. And this is a really nice stretch for them to be able to maybe get ahead of the ball, uh, you know, ahead of the eight ball here. Um, because it does get tougher. Uh, a couple of things stand out to me about the last two games for Michigan. One is the defense. I mean, just the fact that they are playing with more energy and effort, as you said, and when we were talking to Saudi Washington before the Penn State game, he was saying, well, now we have that on film and now we got to hold them accountable to that standard. We just created a new standard for ourselves. And as a coach, they're probably excited about that, where it's like, hey, we can show them that if you do X, Y, Z, you know, it leads to a result like this. Now, it's not going to lead to a 35 point win over a Big Ten opponent that was ranked what in the top 35 in Ken Palm every single night because that's just crazy. But it will lead to giving yourself a chance every night probably winning every game. Uh, They held Maryland to 0.61 points per possession. That's the lowest Michigan has held a team uh, since Holy Cross in 2018. uh, That's the lowest that Michigan has ever held a Big Ten opponent uh, since Ken Palm began tracking anything in 2002. Uh, So that just shows you, one, Maryland was cold, and two, Michigan did a good job. And then I thought the defense again against Penn State – was really good with what I've written about as well. You know, one of the underrated stats of that game is they allowed Penn State, which has assists on 56.4% of its buckets this season, to only have six assists on 26 makes against Michigan. One-on-one situations, we, Anthony, we were joking about it, like at, during the game. You know, at, at some point with Jalen Pickett just going one-on-one and backing these guys down, one, he should have got a couple three-second calls. And two, uh, you know, maybe Kobe Bufkin pulls the chair out from under him, draws a charge because, I mean, it was just back him down, back him down, back him down. And while he made some of those buckets, I mean, Michigan was going to live with that over letting one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country shoot from deep. Um, and they did leave him open on some, but but Penn State didn't have the best shooting night, 32% from three. So, I, I don't know. To me, the defense has stood out, but you also got to mention how much better and how good Kobe Bufkin is now. I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, there was talk for the season. There was concern, you know, certainly not from what I heard inside the program, but that there were people around the program and, and fans saying, you know, Kobe Bufkin, is he going to be good enough for this team? Um, and it seems like uh, he, he sure is. Doug McDaniel's getting better. You're riding Hunter Dickinson. I thought that was an issue during, you know, some of their struggles where they, they stopped going to him. And I know he didn't play well against North Carolina, but. Uh, there's a lot to like about what they've done. You know, the good has been pretty good. The bad has been terrible, and that's why they're in this spot. But I do think there's some light at the end of the tunnel here. Um, we're both going to East Lansing on Saturday. 
Um, I've only been there once for a Michigan-Michigan State game last year. Uh, I think you've been to a few, right? But uh, what do you expect uh, out of this game? And I know State's getting a little healthier. Malik Hall and Jaden Aikens back. I know they've been limited minutes-wise lately, but I think Tom Izzo's always circling that Michigan game where he's like, all right, let's get these guys going 19 minutes, 20 minutes. I think Aikens played what, 13 minutes the other night or something like that. And then here we go. It's it's uh, it's full go for Michigan. It's going to be loud and it's going to be, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an elite college basketball atmosphere and energy wise, especially when Michigan comes to town there. So for me, I mean, I expect, uh, and let's not forget Hunter Dickinson is like the, the villain to Michigan state right now because of things that have been said on his podcast about the fan base, things about Tom. I mean, he respects Tom Izzo, but things his co-hosts have said about Tom Izzo, um, we know that the Michigan state fan base, and we won't turn this into a segment about them. Uh, but we know they're going to be, it's going to be loud. And every time he touches the ball, that place is going to, um, be booing the crap out of him. And I think that he loves that. And again, you know, it's, this is uh, I'll stop short of saying it's a legacy game, but Michigan needs to start winning these type of games. And Hunter Dickinson has to help lead them to wins in these type of games. So, it's not just a Hunter Dickinson game. It's a Michigan basketball game. The other guys have to step up and make their plays, uh, make their their plays in the game too. But um, this is an environment that this team hasn't played in yet this year. It's gonna be, it's gonna be nasty. It's gonna be uh, venomous in terms of the hatred. And you hope that this team embraces that villain role and it helps kind of build this edge that they've they've had about them over the last couple last couple of games. But yeah, it's gonna be. It's going to be a war. This is a huge game for both of these teams. Um, you know, Michigan State sitting at ten and four as well. I mean, they, uh, you know, they've got a win over Kentucky on their resume, but there's not nothing super sexy about their schedule or their their uh, resume right now either. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, the the Michigan Michigan State basketball rivalry to me, uh, football has get has gotten kind of nasty and venomous for a variety of reasons, but um, I just like to see good on good. And, and these two programs consistently have brought it dating back to when, uh, you know, John Beeline was, was at Michigan. So I'm excited about it. it it's a good showcase for basketball in our state um, and a good chance for either group to go out there and kind of get uh, maybe not a signature win, but just another, just climb up another rung on the ladder towards getting to where you want to be. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Michigan handles that environment. I think it's just their second true road game of the season, the first one being that Minnesota game. And, of course, Minnesota is not quite the atmosphere they're going to see at the Jack Breslin Student Events Center. Uh, and Michigan hasn't won there since January thirteenth, two 2018, that great, uh, fantastic game upset over Michigan State led by you know Xavier Simpson, Mo Wagner, those guys, uh, and what was still a sweet win. But, man, you want to get one since then. Um and so we'll see what happens. But we appreciate everybody watching, listening. If you're watching on YouTube, drop a like, hit the subscribe button. We appreciate you. Keep it locked at thewolverine.com for all of your Michigan coverage uh, going forward here. Sign up uh, and become a premium member today. Just $29.99 until next football season. And we will see everyone next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.